that God has placed in each of us a natural need for light. I would say light is an amazing gift, but in reality, light is not so much a gift as it is the very nature of God. We enjoy it so much because it is a characteristic of our Creator. We were meant to enjoy Him personally and up close. We need to be with Him on a daily basis, and it's best to spend time with Him when we first get up and therefore enjoy the effect of being with Him throughout the entire day. God is light, and God and light are um, unbreakably interconnected. Listen to these verses from the Scriptures. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Isaiah, the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light. Psalm, 10, Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 130, the entrance of thy word giveth light. For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. There was a man named John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Light is unmistakably connected with God. Interestingly, sin, Satan, and the old life is connected with darkness. In Acts chapter 26, we read, The gospel is to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. First Thessalonians, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and children of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. And First Peter then says, But ye are a chosen generation, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Liberating light. You not only walked in darkness, but we're going to see in our text this morning, you were darkness. Just as we were not only victims of sin, we were participants in sin. As a believer, you now not only just walk in light, but you are light. Let's look at our text, and I want you to watch for this idea of liberating light. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning again at verse 7. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit... Light is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which were done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. 
Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. First of all, let's look in verse 8, and I want you to see the change to light. He talks about what you were in verse 8. He says, For ye were sometimes darkness. You were at one point darkness. The idea here first, you were, it's past tense. When a person receives Christ as their Savior, salvation brings a change. We're not stuck where we were before. God's gift to us radically impacts our lives. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, what did we learn? We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and Jesus Christ made us alive. He totally changed us. There's not much, a bigger change you can have than being dead and being alive. Dead has no feeling. Dead has no ability to respond. Life has the ability to enjoy and to take in all that one is, is seeing. You were darkness. He's telling us this is past tense. Remember, chapters 4 through 6 are all the practical applications of chapters 1 through 3. How did we get salvation? God planned it from the very beginning. He planned it through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ redeemed us. Then God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we would be empowered to do what we need to do and we could have guidance. God also revealed his plan for the future to us. He broke down the walls that, would, that caused all the divisions in life because he's made everyone one together again. And we see all this and then he says, because of all that I've done for you, he then began in chapter 4 and he said, now, here's the way you can be different. He says, I want you to walk in the way now of your new family. I want you to walk in a way that's worthy and that represents your new family. You see, when, when things changed, things changed. For some reason, Satan wants to deceive us and think that, okay, once you get saved, now that you're saved, nothing else has to change. But why would I want to stay the way I was? when that was the thing that was destroying me, and that was the thing that I had to turn to God and say, I'm a sinner. I need your help. Why would I then begin thinking it's okay to stay this way? Why would I want to stay this way? Often, as I've mentioned in the last several services, we have a tendency to make the blessings of God a duty. Okay, well, I guess I can't go out and do these things anymore. But the problem was, those were the things that were destroying me. Why would I want to continue bringing hardship and heartache into my life? So he's teaching us today, he says, remember this. He says, you were sometimes darkness, but that's not what you are anymore. He talks about darkness. You were darkness, not just in darkness. You notice there are no prepositions there. He is not saying, you used to be in darkness, but now you are in light. In other passages, we read that, but notice what the text says. He says, you were darkness. You were not only living in darkness, you were darkness. You were a participant in that. You were the problem. He says, and now you are, notice, he doesn't say you're in light. What does the text say? He says, you are light. Cindy and I, as we've talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I was just saying, my mind, I'm having a hard time wrapping around this because we, in fact, have been called 
We've been made to be something now that that is our nature. We were darkness. The problem with darkness is Isaiah chapter 5 tells us, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Here is Satan's plan, what he's always done. Satan always takes what God has given, which is good. He then tries to manufacture something that looks similar but will hurt you. So God, God tells us, oh, marriage is wonderful. Marriage is a blessing. But only that relationship is designed for in marriage. And what does Satan say? Oh, no, that's the bad way. The good way is to be able to go out and do anything you want. The reality is, can you imagine the embarrassment of being the owner of the world champion football team? And the only thing that's in the newspaper was the thing he did before the game. How embarrassing. He has millions and millions of dollars, but millions and millions of dollars didn't fix his problem, did it? My heart goes out to him. Here's a man who was deceived. He bought into Satan's lie thinking this would bring him happiness. And it's only after the fact that he realizes, wow, I was totally wrong. Now he's trying to do something to make people feel like he's still an okay person. The reality is, Satan always takes what is good and tells you that's the bitter thing and tells you that the bitter thing is the sweet thing. If I can just talk to you young people for just a moment, you just need to remember this. You're going to be confronted all the time. In fact, you're going to be bombarded with this all the time, whether it's at school or in media, whatever venue of media it is, you're constantly going to be told that this is good when it's bad. And the things that are bad, you're gonna to be told are good. And you need to be smart enough, you have to have the discernment, and the only way you're gonna have that discernment is to be someone who's walking in light. We go on and we realize this is Satan's domain. Notice the place of darkness in chapter six, verse 12, where there we read, for we wrestle not against human things, flesh and blood, but against spiritual things, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Satan is dark. As I was just, this morning it jumped off the page at me as I was uh, doing a through the Bible reading this morning and, and I came to David when his temptation for Bathsheba came. I'd like to guess when that was at night. I find it fascinating when you read about when Judas goes out to betray Jesus, he says, and it was night. Not only is that a time of day, it's also a description of what that was. I, again, I would, I would talk to you young people and I would just say, just always beware. You're going to have events that go on and you're going to have things going on in the evenings. Just beware, the later it gets, the tireder you get, the darker it gets, the easier it is to do things that you wouldn't do during the day. I know, I remember. I remember the 
the pressures that come when you're out doing things and all of a sudden now it's dark. And even the person you're with, you don't really, you're not really making the eye contact that you would have made during the day and you'd have seen things clearly. Always beware and recognize I need to know what the truth is. I need to know what the light is so that when I get into circumstances, I don't get caught and get hurt by Satan's lies. According to Matthew 8, 12, here's the thing. So often we begin to think, I'll just live this way now, and then later I'll get it fixed up. What you need to recognize is that darkness... That is not only Satan's domain, but it's the domain where God must punish. Matthew chapter 8, verse 12 says, But the children of the kingdom, talking about people from the Jews, but people who had the truth but didn't embrace the truth, they were people, today we would have said, well, the equivalent today would be people who maybe go to church but never embrace the truth. He says, Understand the people that don't accept the truth shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. John MacArthur puts it this way. He says, eternity simply crystallizes your choice into permanence. When you are choosing darkness right now, and you die and you go into eternity, it only seals where you will be for the rest of your life. I find it interesting, as we talked about the seasonal disorder, the fact is, is that we need light. And even when we do wrong, we are still enjoying the comfort of light around us. And just as we need light in our daily lives, we need God's presence in what's going on around us. John 3, verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest or revealed that they are wrought in God. So he talks about what you were. And I've taken a little time this morning to talk about this because I just want to remind you, lest we just come in and we forget what God's done in our lives, God saved us from what we were. We were darkness. And it's hard sometimes to relate to that when we look at people around us and we say, that's such a nice person. That person seems to try so hard. But you, there is no middle ground. The fact is you're either a child of Satan or you are a child of God. You're either walking in darkness or you're walking in light. You are either darkness or you are light. So he says, here's what you were, but he says, now notice, here's what you are. When you received God's gift of salvation, a major change took place. You are light. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 describes it this way. He says, you are the light of the world. You notice he didn't just say you are a reflector of the light. Often in my mind, I like to think about, well, I'm just a mirror and I'm reflecting the light of God. But the reality is, that is true. But I'm also, when I was made new in Christ, I partook of his divine nature and I now am light. 
And as I go out into the community, something ought to be different. People ought to want to gravitate to be near Christians. And they won't even understand why. There's something comforting. There's something unique. There's something special about a believer. And we enjoy being around believers. But as we go out into the world, people are going to say, you know, I like that person. I like being around them. Now, there are going to be some who, because they want to reject the light, because they're offended by the light, they may not like to be near you. Yet they do like to be near you. They don't want to be near you when they're doing wrong because they're convicted of it. But when things are going bad for them, they enjoy being close to you because there's something special about you. Why is that? Because they need the light. God made us to need the light. Notice the effects of the light, verses 9 and 10. For the fruit of the Spirit, now it's actually, these are listed in the fruit of the Spirit, but I want you to notice the context is dealing with light. For the fruit, what is, what is the characteristic of light? What does someone who is light look like? Well, obviously we have the Spirit in us, but notice it says the fruit... The demonstration, that which comes out of light, are these three things. It looks like goodness, righteousness, and truth. You know, every one of us bears some kind of fruit. Every one of us bears some kind of fruit. The child of light produces the fruit of light. You know, a Christian can sin. And when Christians sin, it impacts your production of fruit. Just like I've had plants that when it's got the wrong thing in the soil, it really keeps the fruit, it keeps that plant from producing. We know that when we allow sin into our life, it impacts us. It's going to impact the kind of fruit. It impacts our goodness. We're going to talk about what goodness is. It impacts righteousness and it impacts truth in our life. So let's look at these kinds of fruit. Now, if there's no fruit, if you don't see these fruit at all, the goodness, the righteousness, and the truth, if there's no fruit, then you would have to question what kind of plant it is. My goal is not to just say, well, if you sin, you're probably not saved. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I have to be honest with the text and say, the fact is, is that the fruit of being a light are these three things. And each of us have to look at that and go, is that me? Is that me? Now, I, I appreciated one commentator gave this illustration. He said, you know, if you don't have guns, knives, and swords, and bombs in your suitcase, you don't mind that it goes through the x-ray machine. It's only the terrorists that should be concerned about sending their stuff through there. In the same way, it shouldn't bother us when we pause and look at our lives and say, am I a child of light? It shouldn't bother us because we've nothing to hide. Now, it doesn't mean that you're perfect, but there ought to be some of these fruit in your life if you're a child of light. 
So let's, let's give this some thought here. The idea of goodness, it's a contrast with the idea of malice in chapter 4, verse 31. Malice, remember he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil, be, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's kind of the wrap-up of wanting to do evil, wanting to do ill to someone. In the same way, goodness is the exact opposite. It's wanting to do something for someone, wanting to benefit someone. One of the characteristics of walking in the light, of being light, is that we would demonstrate goodness. It's what we do for others with no expectation in return. Remember how we, we looked at love. We talked about liberating love and how liberating love allows us to be kind and to be forgiving without expecting something back from the person. If we only look at love and we don't look at light, we will mistake how we should treat others. Love is something that allows us to embrace and to draw in even when people have hurt us. But light, we're going to see in just a little bit, light allows us to help others because it shows right from wrong. It shows the right way to go. It shows what God designed us to be like. Without the light, love is only partial. Without love, Light is going to be partial. And we've probably seen that in Christianity where we've seen the ugliness of, I'm going to shine light on what you're doing. What you're doing is wrong. But there's no love. We also see the other side where it's all love and it doesn't matter and we don't care enough to say, but this is going to hurt you. Remember in Proverbs, uh, we studied Proverbs chapter 3 a number of months ago. And we, we learned, he said, let not... Mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. Mercy and truth always go together. Love and light must always go together. So we continue reading what we do for others. Interesting, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. See that none render evil for evil to any man. That would be malice. But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. That's the goodness it's talking about. He's talking about doing what we can for each other and even for those that are outside our group. It's not just this group. It is this group, but it's not just this group. It's to all men that our light is able to impact. He goes on to talk not only about goodness, but he talks about Righteousness. Righteousness describes our relationship with God. We know from Romans chapter 4 that righteousness is a gift from God, it's salvation. But we also know in 1 John 2.29 that righteousness also describes the way we should be living. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. You see, we reflect in the way we live what our God looks like. And then we come to the last one, and that is truth. 
So we've seen that light, the characteristics of light, affect the way we communicate with others, the way we respond to others, and the way we respond to God. But this last one, truth, is the relationship to character. Truth is honesty, reliableness, trustworthiness. Truth is what drives us. So back to what we were talking about, whether it's in school, whether it's in dating relationships, truth ought to drive us. We ought to have the character so that they can trust us regardless. You know, the things that, when I look back in high school, the things that stood out to me most were when parents would allow me, you know, we were gonna go somewhere and maybe their daughter needed a ride. Their daughter was gonna go with us and the parent to say, no, it's okay, you can ride with him. I trust him. You see, walking in the light affects the character of the way I deal with truthfulness, of being transparent. Notice verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. We see that the light characteristics, what light looks like, but I also want you to notice that light leads us to learn what God is like. Proving, testing, learning is the idea of that word proving. Learning what is acceptable unto the Lord. You see, something is only healthy when it's growing. A believer is wanting to learn what pleases the Lord. And that's not a list of rules that I'm giving you that a pastor would give to you. It is that relationship of learning, ongoing process of what pleases the Lord. And that takes us from having this, well, I gotta do all these things here at church. It takes it to a relationship of saying, I wonder what he would like. It's the difference between just doing what you have to do and learning so that you would know what someone would enjoy. You see, walking in the light is the idea of learning what God likes. Growing in our goodness, growing in our righteousness, growing in our truth in our, what we are on the inside. You see, our confidence in our relationship with God comes with growth. Sometimes maybe Satan's gonna come to you and Satan's gonna, gonna tempt you and Satan's gonna say, you're not really a Christian. How do you handle that? I mean, you can always say, well, I got saved on September 5th, 1971. So there, I know exactly the day I was saved, but you may say, I don't remember the date I was saved. Does that mean that I'm not saved? Does that mean that I need to pray again so that I can say, boy, I know this for certain? You know, I may or may not remember my birthday. I do pretty well in the day, the month, the year. Sometimes I get a little fuzzy on. You laugh now, it'll hit you. You wait and you see. All right? But... I would say at least 99% of you today, and probably only the ones that are being honorary, would say different. You may not know my birthday, but you know one thing for certain, don't you? I'm alive. 
Anybody question whether or not I'm still breathing? Anybody question I'm still alive? Yeah, see, I knew there would be one in the group. But the reality is, the reality is, you may not know my birthday, but you know I'm alive by the characteristics in my life. You today may be struggling and you may say, I don't know exactly when I received Christ as my Savior. The one thing you can know is, are you alive in Christ? Are you not? Are you in darkness today? Are you darkness today or are you light? How do you know that? Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you turn in your Bibles over to 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading at verse 5 and I'll go through verse 11. Beginning at verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Salvation. And beside this, beside salvation... Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to your knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind or ignorant and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged of his own sins." of his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is he telling us? He's saying, you can tell by the way you are living what you are. Whether you can remember or not. It's wonderful if someone helped you remember, hey, I got saved on this day at this time. That's wonderful. But probably not everyone here can do that. Maybe many here could not do that. That doesn't mean you're not saved. But you ought to take a look and see, do I have the fruit of life and light in my life? Do I have that in my life? Now, notice we go on, having talked about this. Now, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5. And I want you to notice, beginning at verse 11, he talks about the caution to light. He says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, that refers back to verse 7. Notice with me, he says, Be not ye therefore partakers of these characteristics of darkness that we saw earlier in chapter 5 and in chapter 4. And he says, don't be partakers with them and don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So what's he reminding them? He says, darkness is no longer a part of your life. Don't have fellowship with them. The idea here of fellowship is to jointly share with or to have a connection with. Paul had instructed them in verse 7, he says, don't be fellow participants with evildoers, the sons of disobedience. In the present verse, Paul says, don't be participating in their unfruitful works. Unfruitful. What is he reminding us? He says, 
Understand, I'm not trying to keep something back from you that's not good. God isn't saying, oh, I know this would really be fun, but nah, 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 nah. if you're a Christian, you can't have any fun anymore. If you're going to, nope, I know that looks good. I know everyone else gets to do that, but ah, you're a Christian. You don't get to do fun stuff anymore. No, that's not at all. Notice what he says. The unfruitful works of darkness. He's reminding us, you've been saved from that. You were saved out of that. You were saved from being that. And gratefully, it, you were saved before eternity lest you be crystallized and solidified into that forever. Now he says, oh, he says, he says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. What does that mean for us today? Cindy and I were talking about this the other day. You know, it's very easy to so isolate ourselves from the world that we don't, we don't have any relationship with them. And very honestly, when they're around us, rather than wanting what we have, they're repulsed by us because we look down on them. Notice what 1 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse 9, Paul says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether. He's saying, but, but I'm not telling you that you won't ever be around a fornicator or a covetous person or an extortioner or an idolater, because he said, then you'd have to go out of the world. No matter where you are in the world, you're going to be around these kind of people. Okay, so I need to be prepared. I'm going to be around people who have a totally different value system that I have. In fact, they are darkness. He says, in fact, he said, I have written unto you not to keep company if a man be called a brother and be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. With these kind of people, don't eat. Why is he saying that? Because he said, light impacts those that we are around. He says, you can't, continue to have fellowship with darkness as if that is okay. In fact, what he says is, he says, not only don't have fellowship with them, but reprove them. The Tyndale Commentary said, since the darkness has been banished by the coming of the light, Christians should take no part in the old. You know, I found this interesting you know, wherever light shows up, darkness has to leave. Darkness is just the absence of light. Wherever we are, it should impact the people around us. It should be shedding light wherever we are. Zach and I were in a store here in Fargo, and an older man started to say something, and then he said, pardon my French. That wasn't French, I recognized it. But you know what was interesting was, why would he say that? Because he knew that was dark. And light was around him. Because I'm positive he said those things around other people and never said, pardon my French. Do you know, we have the opportunity 
just by being who we are, to take light wherever we go. And people will see truth. And people have the opportunity to enjoy that. Now, sometimes the way, according to the text, it says to reprove them, sometimes literally our presence stops the problem. You ever been in a classroom when the teacher walks in and sits down in between two kids that were having problems? And sometimes just the presence of the teacher fixes it. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there has to be verbal communication. Now, when we go out into the world, there will be times it will take verbal communication. But can I encourage you with this? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us how to love as we communicate. How to love as we communicate. Let me just read a couple verses here. It's in verses 5 and 6. Love does not behave itself unseemly, does not seek her own, doesn't do it for her own benefit, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Notice the first thing, it's not about me. It's about them. Why would I rebuke someone? Why would I draw their attention to something that they're doing wrong? Because I'm convinced that's going to hurt them. I'll be careful. You can't play in that street. Why? You get hurt. Don't grab that pot off the stove. You mean mom? No, there's boiling water. That would hurt them for a very long time. Love causes you to step in. You know, if there's one thing that I greatly desire, this body would always have the testimony, is that people would walk in and they would always taste and see that the Lord is good. There will be times that I need, and you need, we need to say something because that darkness is going to hurt them. Those are unfruitful works of darkness. That's the reason why I paused and said, hey, guys, be real careful. Girls, be real careful. Keep yourself pure. Don't put yourself in a bad situation. Please understand, I'm not in any way critical of you. I only say that because I really like you. I don't want you to get hurt. It's not that I'm looking down on you. But you see, the attitude by which we do things causes people to react to us. That's the reason why he says there's liberating love. It allows us to do for people that we would not expect. And there is liberating light, which will help people to say, Oh, I get it now. I get why I've had such a hard time. I get why things are not going well for me. Because I've been doing it the wrong way. If I walk in the light, I'll have a great life. Because I'm not creating problems for myself. Now, I'm going to be around other unsaved people. I still have an unsaved body. I, an unredeemed body that is that still could be drawn to do the wrong thing. So what do I need so that I don't get sad, so that I don't have this seasonal affected disorder? I need to spend time in the light. I need to spend close time with the light. I need to spend time every day in the light. I need to let that light become a part of me so that I keep the right perspective on life. As I was reading this text, 
verse 12, the Lord spoke to me again just of, oh, that's right, that's right. For it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Here's what I wanted you to think about, and that is this. So often, we get so comfortable with what the world does around us that we tend to forget how awful and how dangerous sin is. And he says, for it is a shame to even speak of those things which are done in secret. Let me, let me give you, in Jude 23, Jude helps us understand what he's saying here. Jude says this, And if some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, when we go in to help somebody, never forget that that sin that we're trying to help them with is still very dangerous. What Jude is describing is going in to a biochemical problem wearing a hazmat suit. And you're gonna to try to rescue that person out of that environment, but you don't want any of that hazardous environment to get them or get you. Does that make sense? So he says, you know, there are some things we shouldn't even talk about. I don't need to be explicit to tell you, to warn you. I don't want to put that in your mind. And I have to be careful that I don't put it in my mind. I still need to rescue. I still need to use the liberating light so that people can get out of there. But I definitely understand the danger of being in there. You know, the danger of sometimes going to a Christian school is the fact you get so used to this sterile environment that then kids begin talking about the world and almost feeling like they've been left out. I went to a Christian school, I oversaw a Christian school, and I saw that problem often. Homeschooling, the same problem. We begin to forget the blessing of what it is to be light. So, he says, beware. Don't, as you go out into the world, don't begin to think that, ah, I can handle this. No, he says, it's a shame to even talk about those things. You help get them out. But understand, it's dangerous environment for you too. You still have to go in to rescue. But you recognize the problem, the danger. Then in verse 14, the call of light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. He's saying, look, you need to be aware. You are different now. Wake up. Don't let yourself continue in the path that you're on. Wake up. You've fallen asleep. Some have said maybe this was a call to the unsaved at the end of this and saying, you who have gone to church, you need to wake up and, and recognize you need to be saved. And they think it's a, it's a quote from Isaiah 60. It might be, 
There are a number of other sections of Scripture this could be quoting from. The context leads me to believe that it is spoken to believers who had fallen asleep, who had begun to think it's okay to walk like the dark, even though I am light. And he's saying, wake up. And he's saying, you can totally change. Awake from your sleep. Arise from the dead. Christ will give you light. You can begin walking down the right path. Whichever of those, whether it's speaking to an unsaved or to a saved person, he's telling us the same thing, and that is be aware of your circumstance. Be aware of the problem of darkness. You know, this seasonal affective disorder, sad, is a great reminder for us. We are not only light, but we need to walk in the light. I don't know who the Lord is putting you near. I believe the Lord brings us by people all the time. And we go, and we're, we are light. We're the light of the world. If, if the people, if we hide our light, how will they see? You know, light always has certain characteristics. You may say, well, yeah, I've got some of those characteristics. I'm not producing the fruit that I should right now. I think each of us has to just pause and say, what, what have I begun to allow into my life that shouldn't be there? I'm not going to give you a list. God's the one who does that. God says, in fact, what he says is, just spend time with me and get to where you say, Oh, that's what God likes. Do that. You say, you're not going to tell me what to do? Only what the scriptures tells you to do. But you've got the Holy Spirit in you. If you ask, the Holy Spirit will tell you. And you'll enjoy 